God. Amen. It's an interesting Sunday in many ways. It's the conclusion on Saturday of our celebration of the Nativity of Christ. We move into the anticipation of the Epiphany, Christ coming uh, to be baptized in the Jordan River by St. John. And we stand in this day where we uh, remember his circumcision and the great St. Basil. Um, the Lord's circumcision is just another indication of his humility, of his bowing to the law that he created and gave to us, that we too would understand that the law has a grace in it, that we embrace that, uh, we are uh, to... Uh, engage all that God has given to us from the Old Testament to the New Testament as the grace from God. Uh, and so we see this, this humility. Uh, Father John Stephen said, as he said, uh, we were speaking of this feast before the liturgy, he said the uncircumscribed becomes circumcised. The one that cannot be contained comes as a baby to obey the law very powerful thing that you begin to understand the humility and the condescension of Christ. Uh, very beautiful to see how much he loves and cares for us. How much? We go that far. St. Basil the Great, uh, we celebrate his liturgy, has been celebrated for um, 1,600 years. Uh, it's a very beautiful liturgy. In fact, there's parts of it that are just so, so rich with the teaching of the gospel that uh, just pay attention to it because you really get a deep sense of the teaching of the scriptures in uh, the liturgy of St. Basil. He's called the bee because he brought honey to the faithful and he stung the heretics. So very beautiful uh, <coughs> Uh, saint in a very critical time of the life of the church where there were debates, theological debates going on, and he stood fast along with our beloved patron Saint Athanasius, Saint John Chrysostom, and others to uh, affirm the faith. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is uh, I, I uh, titled the uh, Humbly perplexed. So you'll have to kind of bear with me to understand what I mean by that. Overwhelmed, perplexed. We come to the nativity of Christ and we hear the angels proclaim, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest. We, we, we see this beautiful uh, babe come for the salvation of mankind. We sing joy to the world. Hark the herald angels sing. We see this joyous celebration. And it really it lifts our hearts. And then we begin to see that it's not all that. There's something in here that's not quite peace on earth. When we look back on the life of of Christ himself, and before that, John the Baptist, we begin to see that there's kind of another theme that runs through this. 
I have to explain to you why. Um, right after the celebration of Nativity, there's a week of celebration of the feast. And the, on the second day of the celebration is St. Stephen the Martyr. There's a young man. There he is right there. A young boy, a young man, martyred, the first deacon, first martyr of the church. So, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Are you perplexed? Then we celebrate 20,000 martyrs in Nicomedia that were burned to death in the church of the Nativity during on the feast of the Nativity. 20,000. And they were singing joyous hymns. And the priest stood up and said, Remember the children in the fire. <coughs> remember. Remember your Lord's sacrifice for you. Are you perplexed? Then we celebrate, the next day we celebrate 14,000 children who were killed in Bethlehem. Are you perplexed yet? I was perplexed. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The Lord said to his disciples, very interestingly enough, when they were going out, he said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So what is this? What's this? What is all this? And then we even look at the, the life of Christ, his, his own life. And we see first that uh, Joseph is going to put Mary away because he thinks she's pregnant by another man. And Joseph, thank God, is visited by Gabriel and obeys Gabriel and says, no, you take her and you, and you take care of her. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And then they traveled to Bethlehem, to the, the, to the home of Joseph, to the hometown of Joseph, the city of David. And they go to uh, the nearest Marriott Hotel. <laughs> no, they go to the palace, the, the king's home in Bethlehem, the governor's home in Bethlehem. No. In fact, there's no place for them to stay. Peace on earth, good bell for them. And then they can't even go back home because they're, the threat of death uh, warned them by the, the, the wise men they need to go to Egypt. They live in Egypt. They can't even live in their house. They can't go back home. And then on their way back to uh, Jerusalem, they say, no, we're not going there. We're going to Nath. Because we're still even afraid of that. Are you perplexed? The reality is, beloved, that Christ came into a dark and a sick world. That's the reality. He didn't come and wait for it to get better. He came into that world. It's, a, it's, it's full of fallen humanity with a stained image. That's the reality. That's kind of what we begin to see. That this is, it's not, we, we love the idea that God has come. But we, we have to understand that he's coming to a world that's, that has extreme difficulty. And it's in opposition to that which is good. And so, uh, you may say, what's changed? That's why I ask. <laughs> what's different? There's much different. Let me read a little blurb from St. Nikolai or Zicha. 
said, man's heart can never be empty. It's always filled with something, either with hell, the world, or God. A heart's contents, contents are intrinsically linked with its purity. There was a time when the heart of man was filled with only God. A mirror of the beauty of God, a harp of the praise of God. There was a time when it was in truth in the hand of God, preserved from every danger. But when man in his madness, man in his madness, took things into his own hands, many wild beasts attacked the heart. For there, for, from there was inwardly came the bondage of the heart of man, and outwardly we see the history of the world. When man opened his heart to the evil and did that which was not blessed by God, wild beasts came in. You see wild beasts? Did Christ come into the time of wild beasts? Are there still wild beasts? <laughs> So what's our remedy? What's our encouragement? So at the end of the week I was going, Lord, we're celebrating all these people that are 34,000. 34,001. Martyrs of Christ. So how do, we, how do we engage this and be encouraged by all that God has done for us? Beloved, Christ came into the world to defeat death and corruption. He came to defeat that which we see. He came to defeat that which he walked into. And he did. He, he destroyed it. He destroyed the corruption of man. He destroyed death. We still have to deal with the marvelousness. But beloved, the, the Jew, the, what has changed here is that you have a choice now. You can choose that which is good over that which is evil. Let me read also from uh, this. This is St. Nikolai Velimirovich. He said, he says, God wants us to have just two habits. How many? Two. Two. Just make sure you're paying attention. First habit is to avoid evil. What do you think the second habit is? Do good. do good. Avoid evil, do good. Two things. That's all you've got to do. And he's empowered you to do that. You're united to him. He has defeated those enemies. He's defeated evil. It's a weakened enemy. And you have the power within you to, to, to choose the good. This is what's changed. This is what's different. You have the power to make this choice. He says, our souls should always face the good. Always, it's not facing the good, it's facing the evil. Your soul never <coughs> stops moving. Did you know that? <laughs> well, you know it now. Your soul never stops moving. It's either going toward good or what? Going toward evil. It doesn't pause. You don't put it on hold. So the soul has to be facing the good. St. Nikolai says, leave evil behind. Leave evil in the shadows. Leave evil in the abyss of oblivion. Leave evil in the darkness of the past. Have you ever had the past rise up and get you? Wow. 
can be a pretty evil place. Leave it. He says, leave it. Turn your back on it. Incline your soul to good. I, was, I got an email uh, a bit ago, uh, St. Basil, Bishop Joseph sent St. Basil, he says, if you're having trouble with uh, uh, someone, you begin to think of all the good things about that person. And he said, soon you'll find out that they're a much better person than you are. <laughs> That's a good idea. Wow. Leave it. Extend toward the good, he says. Think about good. Think about it. Yearn for the good. Yearn for it. You can hold on to all the evil you want. You can do it. But you got to, he says, let that go and begin to yearn for the good. Yearn for it. Look at it. Face it. That's a powerful thing. Speak about the good. Talk about the good. Have you ever opened your mouth with uh, kind of that evil, something evil burning in you and you regretted everything that came out? That's why he says, speak about good. Only, just let that be what your mouth keeps. Do good. And he says, by that same thing, destroy the evil. You can destroy the evil by doing the good. Because good is eternal and evil is temporary. Did you know that? You know the only reason evil is here is because you chose to be here. Anger doesn't exist unless you give it a home. Love exists even if you don't give it a home. So you can let all the evil go because it's temporary. It's only there because you're letting it be there. This is very, very important to us to understand. And then we, we agree with the Apostle. It says, abhor evil uh, uh, and cleave to that which is good. <clears throat> so for us, we have this choice. Powerful. Awesome. Things have changed. We can cleave the evil and we can choose the good. I want to encourage you with one more thing because I think we just miss this sometimes. And, and what I think we miss is... is is what we really are shooting at. And that is the kingdom to come. Why do we do all this? Why do we flee evil and, and do good? Why? Just because it's a good exercise, it's a nice psychological thing, it makes me feel better? No, there's something else here that's so critical to us as Christian people. And let me read to you from the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth from the first heaven and the first earth that passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God in that day will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. And let me flip over to Isaiah because I believe this is just really a, an indication to 
and the wolf will also dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie together down. The lion shall eat straw with an ox, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in any holy mountain. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters will cover the sea. And then he sat down on the throne. Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, and this is so critical, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is done. Have you ever watched a movie where you, you, it was very difficult, it had sadness, but you knew it ended well? You saw it before. And so when you came to those spots in the movie where it was difficult, and it maybe even brought tears to your eyes again, what did you know? That it ended like this. It ended good. Beloved, this is the end. This is done. I am the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life free to him who thirsts. He overcome shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You know, beloved, we need to know this. We need to understand that the, the victory is accomplished. And the reason we walk in the things we walk in is because we know the end. It's there. It's done. Do you, why do you long for the good? Because you long for the kingdom. Why do you abhor evil? Because it's not a part of the kingdom. So for us, beloved, you know, yes, it's a struggle. Life is, God is difficult. And some for us, many. But it's finished. It's done. The victory's won. You know, I, I remember, I don't know, it was five or six years ago, uh, we taped, Dan had, I asked Dan Braun to take uh, a USC football game. And I don't remember who they were playing, but they won. And we knew they won. And so we watched it knowing they won. And it was pretty close. It looked like they were going to lose. But we knew they won. So it was like, that was okay. We can handle this. This is great. We know we won. That's it. You have to know you won. You're a Christian. God, God has put, <coughs> he has, in his, in his kingdom there are many mansions and one's got your name on it. And there's no sickness, no sign, no pain, no nothing. It's all gone. It's finished. And he says, it's already done. This is done. Be encouraged, beloved. It's a difficult life. It's a difficult world, but the victory's won. We need to have this. We need to understand how powerful this can be in our life. So, so keep your eyes on that prize. Yes, we eat. Yes, do good. But keep your eye on that place that's prepared for you in the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.